and um, we had these chickens in our garden. We had a few different sets. The first two were called Chicken Licking and Henny Penny. Anyone guess what happened to them? They were eaten by Foxy Loxy. But we remember going to get another set and mum took us to a farmer's market where there was a huge auction taking place. There were sheep and pigs and cows and goats and there was a chicken, a mother hen with her chicks. This clutch of tiny little chicks, maybe about eight or nine of them. And one of them wasn't well. And I must have been about nine or ten. Um, I made a little house for this poorly chicken um, in a shoebox. I kept it inside. I kept it warm. It needed feeding um, mouth to mouth. And um, I didn't have the power or the breath to save it. Rachel's looking at me going, what do you mean? What you had to do, you had to spit in the chicken's mouth so that it would get the food it needed. We phoned, um, the, the reason I knew to do that is because my mum phoned her great uncle who was a farmer. So he said, this is what you've got to get Daniel to do. Anyway, I didn't have the power or the breath to save this tiny little chick. And so it died. And this chick, it's a picture of the world, physical brokenness. There's no way that I am able to sort out the brokenness in the world. There's no way that I can revive the world and bring something so so poorly. As you look out on the world, you see the physical brokenness of the place in which we live. But we also see the spiritual brokenness, the spiritually um, spiritual sickness that our world's in. And we need a power. We need something to change the way the world is. And what if there was such a power? What if there was such a breath that could revive not only this little chick, but revive the church and revive the nations? Well, we're going to conclude our New Life series by looking at Ezekiel 37. It's a book of the Bible that's written um, nearly 3,000 years ago, which remains relevant for us today. And it's a story where we find power to bring new life to the deadest parts of us and our world. So if you've got a Bible, would you open up to Ezekiel 37? Um, it will be on the screen. But as you find it, I'm just going to give you a little bit of a, some background into what's going on in this story. Because um, Ezekiel, he was, a, he was a Jewish man who was a prophet. And he'd been captured and taken to Babylon. And this, this exile, this taking off of a number of Jewish people um, have, have, have leads him to be sat by the edge of a river on his 30th birthday. That's where Ezekiel, uh, the book of Ezekiel begins. And God gives him a vision. It's a vision of God on the throne. And um, God appoints Ezekiel to be a prophet, to be a messenger to the nation. And um, the problem was the reason why God needed to raise up a prophet, because Israel wouldn't listen to God. They'd, they'd turned their back on him. And so Ezekiel has to do a number of things that God asked him. He has to lay on his side for a whole year, eating only food cooked over coals that were poop. That's, that's kind of one of the things God asked him to do. Second vision comes to Ezekiel about a year later. 
And God, in the vision, leaves the temple in Jerusalem and comes to speak to um, Ezekiel in Babylon. Israel's idolatry, its worship of other false gods, was so blatant that God's presence could not stay there. So he comes to Babylon to be with his people who had been exiled. Yet in chapter 19, there's this glimmer of hope where we see God do a great and gracious act, removing the people's hard hearts and giving them a heart of flesh. And so this brings us to chapter 37, where we see um, part of Ezekiel's vision, this profound hope for the people of God, that even in their rebellion and their idolatry, God's goodness will renew them so that all people might know God. So let me read. And young people, get ready, because this is where the rattle begins. The hand of the Lord was on me. He brought me out of the, by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in, the, in a valley. It was full of bones. And he led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I, saw, I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones, say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. The bones came together, bone to bone. Enough. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them. Skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the, to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath for the four wind, from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up, our hope is gone, we are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I am going to open up your graves. And bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. So Ezekiel is shown a valley of dry bones. Don't worry, these aren't real bones, these are plastic. But I want to use them to illustrate and to put into your minds this profound vision that Ezekiel is shown, that is in the history of God's people. Thankfully, a few of my friends gave me some of the skeletons from their closets. This isn't a real dead body, don't worry. No one has been harmed in the creating of these props. This one's called what? 
And he's missing his legs. But he's not missing them. They're just apart from him. Just like in the, the reading. Because bones were all over the place. They needed putting together. And in this... If this should I just turn it that way? This valley of bones, Ezekiel, is shown by God. It's a spiritual state of the people. It's a metaphorical death between them and God. And Israel, you see, it's been there. A number of people had been exiled, but the majority had remained in Jerusalem, and they'd been besieged by the Babylonians, and they had fallen. Babylon had captured the city of Jerusalem. The nation of Israel was no more. The nation of Israel was effectively dead. Because in, in Israel's foolishness, they had forgotten how great God was. And they had exchanged worshipping God for worshipping false gods. Gods that aren't real, but people give attention and uh, their, their own hearts too. And so God had been betrayed. But God doesn't leave his people dead. He carries Ezekiel to this valley and shows them dead bones, dry bones. And he carries Ezekiel to preach to them and prophesy to them and to command at his word them come to life. And what happens? The people of God are transformed. But this state of Israel, this, is, this was their consequence of turning from God. They had become dead to God. And it's the same for us. People who turn away from God, who, who live according to their own desires, according to following false gods, that's what the Bible says, we are dead to God. And we ourselves, we as a people, we today, unless we turn to God, we're living in exile effectively. We're living apart from God's presence because of our own foolishness, because of our own sin. You see, sin doesn't make us bad. It makes us dead. And when you're dead, you need God. Because God's the only one who makes dead things come to life. I wasn't able to resurrect that little chick. I wasn't able to nurture it to life. I am not the saviour that taught me. The New Testament says we are dead in our sins. So becoming a Christian, that's why it's likened to having new life. Being resurrected from the dead. To be born again. Even once we become Christians. We, though, still can be kind of in foolishness, forget who God is. And like the people of God, become disloyal to God and give our hearts to other things. This foolishness led Israel to become like this. Because they turned from God. What about you today? What's your foolishness done today's a moment to turn back to God if you're apart from him if you feel separate from him because of his grace and mercy 
And he won't put his spirit in you to make dead bones come to life. He'll put his spirit in you to move you to live for him and glorify him in your acts of life. So first, we see the consequence of turning from God, that we are spiritually dead. Secondly, verse 4, we see the command of God, because Ezekiel is told by God to do something, to speak, to prophesy to these dry bones. Young people, get ready. Every time I say rattle or rattling, the dry bones hear the word of the Lord and come to life. So the dry bones, they hear the word of the Lord and come to life. And in a valley with dry bones everywhere, there's a noise. What's the noise? It's a rattle. When God speaks, we keep, we should take notes. Because when God speaks, life comes. We hear and obey. Because the bones were formed together. And tendons grew, and ligaments grew, and bones were put back together, and there was a rattle in the valley. And it's all Ezekiel could hear, but what Ezekiel could see was the bones being formed. The rattling was working. The people of God were being revived. And the rattle means that death had been pushed back. And the rattle means that the sound of the people had been heard by God. That God had obeyed. Sorry, Ezekiel had obeyed and the people had obeyed. And they came to life. The rattle was that the people were being formed together. That God was bringing revival in that place. But they were still lying on the floor. Because there was no breath. The rattle had brought them together. But they hadn't got life. And what's happening in Ezekiel here, where he speaks to the dry bones in the desert, is an echo of what God does in Genesis 2, when he makes the first man, Adam. Adam is formed. He's brought together. But then God needs to put his breath in him. It's a two-step process. Step one in Genesis 2, it's verse 7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground. So he's formed the man. Got a complete man, but no life. Step two, God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. This word breath that we hear a lot in the scripture I've read. It's the word, the Hebrew word, ruah. Can you say that for me? Say it louder. Ruah. Sounds a little bit like He-Man, doesn't it? Ruah is a word for breath, for wind, for spirit. It is the same word that hovers over the earth before the creation of who we, you know, of the creation story. The earth is made, and the spirit hovers over the water. The ruah of God hovers, and here the ruah of God comes into Adam. And he becomes a living being. When God speaks, life comes. Adam's a new creation. He's the first creation that means he can truly live. Living in relationship of love with God and others. But what's the point of him being made for Adam? The point of him being made, or what's the point of 
Ezekiel prophesying and this group of Israelites being reformed. So what's the point of us being made? Is so that we can live for God and his glory. That's what Jesus does. That's what his life is all about, this perfect human living for God and his glory. When God speaks, life comes. And you might think, has God spoken to me? What does it mean for God to speak to me? Well, I think it'll be three things. One, it'll mean it'll be a confirmation of what you do. Confirmation of what you do. It might be a specific thing God says. He said to Neil and Becky Hunter-Kelm 12 years ago, go to Turkey. And it was an amazing moment for them. A huge moment. God spoke and they have obeyed. I got to see them last week, last Sunday, as I was stuck in Istanbul. Um, For those who don't know, I spent uh, nearly a week in Cairo visiting friends from our family of churches who have moved to Cairo to see dead people come to life in Jesus. And they, um, my, uh, my friends are uh, living out there and they're doing a fantastic work um, amongst Egyptians. Um, but on the way back, there was snow in Istanbul, which meant our plane couldn't take off. So we had two extra days there. One of those days, we got to go and see Neil and Becky, whose story has been that they've been called to Turkey and God spoke to them. So what they did was about God's call on their life. But it may be you don't feel such a strong kind of direct call from God, that God's not spoken in that way. But he speaks to all of you about how you do what you do. So it's not about necessarily about what you do, but how you do it. And you read the, uh, the scriptures and you see the, the call of people, of how they should live. That is God speaking. That is his word to you. I want to encourage you that if you don't feel this morning God speaks, begin to read the New Testament letters that follow the book of Acts and how God will speak to you really clearly about how we live, about how we live as followers of Jesus. And number three, God's God's word may come to you, may affirm why you do what you do why you do what you do it gives you some clarity of purpose that you're not some aimless meaningless creature put on this earth but there is clear purpose to live for God's glory and be a a witness to Jesus in your world so the what the how and the why when God speaks you will notice that you hear at least one of those things and so I encourage you Listen to God. Ask him to speak to you. So we've looked at the consequence of turning from God. And I hope all of you feel encouraged to turn back to God if you've been away from him. Secondly, we see the command of God that when God speaks, life comes. And when God speaks to you with the how, the what and the why, life will come into you. The ruar of God, the breath of God will fill you. And finally, we come to the change that obedience makes. Ezekiel does what God says. God says, prophesy, Ezekiel prophesies. In these two occasions, verse 7 and in verse 10. And the Spirit 
does the rest, the breath of God, the Ruah. The spirit then breathes on the bodies and life returns. And I can't do this with these bones. I can't make them come to life. I can't give you a picture in your mind of what this would have looked like. This is Ezekiel in verse 10. He says, I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. It's a valley of bones and God speaks. The bones rattle and reform. God speaks and breath enters the bodies. Life returns. Revival has come. The people of God are remade and reformed to live for him. Amazing picture. Previous chapter. God says that he'd do this. He says, I'll put my spirit in you and move you. So he's, he's, he's saying, I'm going to put my spirit in you as a people. But he's going to do it so that you might be moved to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. The spirit is given so people might be moved to follow God's decrees and be careful to keep his law. We're filled with the ruah, the breath, spirit of God. For obedience sake, to live for God. Not so that we feel great. Not so we have this kind of high mountaintop moment. Not so that we get a tingly feeling. Although those things may well happen. The purpose of it is obedience. Living for God. And living for God, as Abby Flavel last week did such a great job. I know I wasn't here, but I heard it. I listen back on the podcast. You can do that. All our sermons will be podcasted. Um, now, the reason Abby f- spoke last week, or in her message she spoke, about being obedient, that Peter had been co- asked to put his nets on the other side of the, the boat so that Hebrew would become a fisher of men. So God teaches in this story, and Abby says three times, and it's the third time when he sees thousands of people come to faith. And Abby was encouraging us to be moved to mission. That is part of our obedience, being moved to mission. And I wonder this morning, do you find your passion for sharing Jesus and his good news, do you feel it's waned and dwindled? Do you feel it's gone? Well, I think there's something that God wants to do in us today as we respond. Because there's another story where a similar thing happens, this time as Jesus walked the earth. And I'll bring things to a close once I've shared this story briefly, because there's Jesus in Mark 9 has a boy brought to him who is um, he's possessed by an evil spirit. And his dad is devastated. And he says, my son, he, he keeps throwing himself into the fire or into water so that he, he's burned or maybe drowns. I can't do anything about my son. Can you picture this situation? Can you picture that this happens? Maybe if you've got a child yourself or you you imagine just the circumstance around this where his dad's heartbroken that his son is is not living as he should. He's He's got an evil spirit making him do these things. His son's not dead, but he might as well have been. And the father speaks to Jesus And he clearly is devastated. But Jesus commands the spirit to leave the boy and never return again. And at Jesus' word, 
this evil spirit obeys. Then the boy is on the floor as if dead. Can you see the pattern that comes next? Jesus speaks, takes the boy by the hand, and he stands. Just one touch from Jesus. Just one command at his word. The boy comes back and he is freed from the spirit and has the life of God put in him. It's an amazing moment. We see Jesus doing a similar thing to this vision. One touch from Jesus and the boy's life returns. One touch from Jesus can change everything. And it's what I've been praying for each of you this morning. One touch from Jesus this morning means the Spirit breathes life into you so that you can come back to life, so that you can be revived. And this morning, do you need a Spirit's breath in you? Do you need a power to revive you? Do you need something to awaken your heart so that you can live for God again? Do you need a power to come that means you can stop living away from God and live for God? Well, we're going to get a chance to respond. And I want the band to come back. We're going to get a chance to pray um, with one another, for each other. We're going to get a chance to worship today. And I just encourage all of you that you'd be really honest with yourself of how you're doing in your walk with God. Are you on the floor? Do you feel like you just, you're just spiritually dead and apart? Do you feel like there's parts of you that are like that and you need the breath of God to come to you today? Because the stories we've seen, the boy is freed and Jesus gets him to stand up. The dry bones, the people of God in the vision are restored and they stand up. Today, this is a moment with you all sat down. If you want to know the Spirit of God filling you for mission afresh, if you want it just a little bit, if you want just a little bit of revival in the smallest part of you, or in every part of you, I want you to respond this morning to Jesus, and I want you to stand, and for God to fill you afresh. Let me pray, and when you're ready, once I finish praying, or you can do it whilst I pray, Would you stand? If you want the Spirit to come and fall on you again, fill you, revive you, restore you. We thank you this morning, God, that when you speak, life comes. And we pray, if you've spoken this morning to us, you desire that you want to speak. You want to fill us with your breath. And God, we need you. We need you. We can't do this life without you. We can't live for you, keep your commands, live in pleasing for you without your spirit coming. And so we pray, would you come and fill us? Would you come awaken the parts of us that have gone to sleep? Would you come and soften the parts of our heart that's hard? Would you come for those who need it to completely replace our heart as you promise you do, to give us a heart of flesh? Come, Holy Spirit. Come and move in our church. Come and move in our city, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.